Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the Paleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Happy almost New Year's, listeners, and I hope that you've had a wonderful holiday season so far. Uh, hi, Sarah. Can Happy you believe holidays. it's Can you believe it's almost 2018? 18. Nope. 2018. Nope. I swear the last time I paid attention, it was March 2009. <laughs> yeah. So I was just uh, like recently talking to Wesley, who informed me that the olden days were the early 2000s. <laughs> And that Matt and I most definitely were born in the super olden days because we were born in the 1900s. <laughs> and that when I mean, when we went to go, right? when we went to school, they didn't have pencils. We had to use a feather, um, you know, in in the 1900s. So, so related related <laughs> story. Granted, this one's a bit older. Um, I the family dance at the elementary school was 80s themed and I was driving Mira my youngest to the dance and I said did you know that I was alive during the entire 1980s and like her mind was blown right because like the (laughs) 1980s I was alive for the whole I was four in 1980 but still I was alive for the entire 1980s and she she said so mom we were learning at school about before there was paper and you had to like carve notes into into stone did you did you have to do that at school when you were completely oh serious completely serious and i i just well you are you are older than me i am i am uh, not stone tablet older than you however i was using um, a feather pen you're using a stone tablet so i literally i completely deadpanned no i was really lucky that paper had been invented by the time i was a kid and she was like <laughs> oh phew like she was really like, relieved for me that i got to like write on paper um there were no you know uh, copiers back then but you know it's like it's fine it's fine <laughs> yeah it's interesting yeah. to me like what they perceive like a timeline to be. And um, I was just kind of fascinated as we go into 2018. And I'm like, it's only 18 years in this century. Like that's not even a grown up yet. Right. Like that's come on. You can't be like, you're super old from the 1900s. The the changes compared to when we were kids. Like I tell my kids, well, so when I was a kid, I did not have a computer that fit in my pocket. And if I wanted to talk on the phone, the phone was attached by a cord to the wall. There was only one in the entire house. And so I would have to sit on the, at the kitchen table and talk on the phone and everyone could hear my conversation with my friends. And if I called them and they weren't home, it would just ring for a long time. <laughs> there was no voicemail. Like, and my kids are just like, oh my, like it sounds so primitive to them. Yes, it does. The idea that when you look, when you think about technology, like technology from then to now is crazy different. But other than technology, like 
there's just, I just don't think there's that much, right? Like he was telling me, he's like, mommy, when you were growing up in cars, did they have radios? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am not that old. Uh. My daughter was said something. She ended a sentence with not right. That the whole thing. And I was like, Hey, my generation invented that. (laughs) Do, Do not get credit for negating an entire sentence just by yelling not at the end of it. That's our thing. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> no, she was, she was pretty sure that she came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Well, as we think about this upcoming year, um, I did have a requested topic that I wanted to talk about. And I think it will not be a surprise for a lot of our listeners that I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. Um, Oftentimes, we have talked about how to um, heal your body if you've had some overindulgences and that's something that you're looking for. And we can um, link to some show notes of episodes that we've talked about that before if that's what you are looking to do this holiday season. And I think that that is absolutely normal and it's something that no matter when or what um, I've experienced, whether it's just like a, a series of decisions that started to snowball more quickly than I anticipated, or my birthday or the holidays, like sometimes we're looking for a way to to clean up. And we have absolutely discussed that previously and can um, uh, point you to those episodes. But this week, I would like to approach the New Year's from an emotional, mental health and well-being perspective. And I feel like, I don't know if I'm just like in a certain community and have surrounded myself with this and so it's like my personal bubble, or if it's happening more and maybe other people are seeing it as well, but I feel like I am seeing... um, a lot of justification for paleo diets to become yo-yo diets. And um, this idea of challenges and resets and detoxes and um, basically justified dieting, and I say diet not in a lifestyle sort of way, but in a yo-yo diet sort of way, in a short-term Um, results sort of way. And I think a lot of people start thinking about how to do a reset at the beginning of the year. And from my perspective, I would like this to be the year to love yourself. Like, and I, (laughs) you can listen in the bloopers. Um, I was talking to Sarah about what I wanted the show topic to be. And I was like, aka the just bleep love yourself show. Um, because to me, when I see so many people jumping to, um, from this to that, to this, to that each, each year, or even within a year, um, multiple versions of these resets and, and things that you're jumping on board with and then jumping off. Um, it, leads to both disordered eating as well as in unhealthy diet and gut dysbiosis and all that kind of stuff, because your body does not want you to be super clean for 30 days and then go super hug wild for 30 days. You can't just on again, off again, and, re- and fully recover from that. Your 
gut health <laughs> is is confused. And um, to me, I think when I see so many people who are, especially like right now, this time of year, um, I'll just give an example. I had a conversation with someone this week about the popularity of keto and they were like, have you thought about doing a keto cookbook? It's really popular right now. <laughs> I just almost like lost it. I just was like, I don't write cookbooks based on what's popular. Uh, but also I'm not writing any more cookbooks and no, I'm not going to write a keto cookbook. And it, it's like that kind of, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying like one thing is worse than the next thing, but if we love ourselves, if we respect ourselves, if we want our bodies to be in ideal health, then it's not about what's popular. It's not about what the person who you follow is doing. It's about what works for you. And I can't imagine anybody saying that what works for them is to completely, you know, be on a, a 21 day or a 30 day or a, you know, whatever it is thing. And then, as I've said before, fall face first into a pizza buffet <laughs> the day after. And like your body just can't recover. I mean, maybe you can talk about the science of why that doesn't work for your body, but it's actually really, really hard on your system. Um, I remember reading about it first on, um, Rob Wolf's blog like years and years ago about how he had somebody on to talk about how your body needs time to adjust to different carbohydrate um, consumption. And so it's like, not only is it just, you know, not good to fall face first into a pizza buffet, but even if that was something you were going to do, like there's, there are, there are ways to do it so that it's not a yo-yo type situation because that is not how to love yourself and take care of your body. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that is uh, really important to emphasize here is there's there's a bunch of things that uh, swinging back and forth um, can stress in terms of our health, and and at the same time, you know, there there's a lot of researchers who really believe in stochastic processes. So an element of randomness in our lives. So um, there's certain things that our bodies are really trained to uh, need the routine. So for example, a um, regular bedtime and a regular wake time is phenomenally important for our health and making sure that we get enough sleep. But actually just living our lives in sync with the sun, sleeping when it's nighttime, and uh, having a predictable sleep schedule is phenomenally important from um, the you know, regulation of the immune system, regulation of uh, insulin, regulation of cortisol, um, and then all of the downstream effects that those have. So it's affecting metabolism, it's affecting mental health, right? It's, it's so phenomenally important. But at the same time, there's like some benefits to, for example, um, working out at different times of the day, changing the types of workouts that we have, having the occasional day where we consume a lot of calories and the occasional day where we consume very few calories. There are some benefits to some some unpredictability in our lives, um, but some of the things that our bodies have a really, really hard time 
adjusting to. So uh, changes in, in sleep routine is one, right? Big changes in stress. And, and keeping in mind that uh, stress is physical plus psychological. So physical stress, such as a really hard workout and psychological stress, such as, um, you know, a, a deadline at work or, um, you know, some, you know, a, a, a rebellious teenager or something, you know, even bigger like divorce or, or death in the family, those those stresses are additive. So if you're dealing with a lot of psychological stress, that's not a good day to go have your stochastic process of a really hard workout, right? So keeping in mind that um, there's sort of a, a maximum amount of stress that our bodies um, can process. It, it, it really is the same. And when it comes to food, you know, one of the things that happens with that on again, off again, um, shifting, uh, adjusting to big big switches in macronutrient ratios, so especially a big switch to high fat or a big switch to high carb. So carbs going way up or down or fat going way up or down um, requires a, you know, adjustment in our metabolism machinery. And, um, and it's, it's a stress. So going from, I'm going to do this, you know, ketogenic diet to I'm falling off the wagon, I'm going to eat all the pizza. Um, you know, it's and we should mention that neither Stacy nor I endorse ketogenic diets, um, and we've talked about that on the show before. Um, but but Sarah, it's popular, so I should write a book on it, right? Um, yeah, because um, popularity is is obviously the the number one criteria that we all look for. Um, so so you know, that's a, that's a tremendous stress on the body. I mean, first of all, ketogenic diets are like macronutrient extremes are stress on the body period. Um, so, but even if you're going from moderate low carb to very, very high carb, that's, that's definitely, um, a stress on the body, but also the change in fiber intake can be very, very hard on the digestive tract. So one of the things that happens, you know, paleo is a very high fiber diet. If, if, you know, you're eating the, the vegetable servings that are recommended on the paleo diet. And, um, and it supports a, this, you know, high vegetable consumption supports a healthy and diverse gut microbial community. And what happens when you switch, you know, I'm off paleo, I'm into whatever this other thing is. Um, it's, you know, we're talking about high carbohydrates, usually more refined carbohydrates, usually much lower uh, fiber intake. And that causes a pretty dramatic shift in our gut microbial community, which is why GI symptoms can happen even if you're not, you know, overtly, like, let's say you're, you're eating pizza. And I, I personally, I don't believe, and I don't think the science supports that everybody needs to be gluten-free all the time. I think that some people definitely have the ability to, um, digest and process gluten. It's not a health promoting food, but just because it's not a health promoting food doesn't mean that occasional consumption for somebody who tolerates it is terrible. So I'm, I'm not in this camp of like gluten is death. I, I mean, it certainly is for me personally, um, but I don't believe it is for everyone across the board. So let's assume that we're talking about somebody who is not overtly gluten sensitive, right? And, and you're not talking about 
the damage that consuming gluten for somebody who is gluten sensitive can do. And we've talked about that on the, I mean, really early on, like way back five years ago podcast, but we have talked about that on the podcast and the science is still the same. You know, it takes three weeks to six months to heal the damage to the gut lining following a gluten exposure. Um, if you are somebody who has uh, overt gluten sensitivity um, or something like celiac disease. So that that's that's this whole separate thing. Let's just talk about the shift to more refined carbohydrates. That can cause GI symptoms because of what it's doing to the digestive tract uh, in terms of, of the bacteria that are living in it. But also our bodies get used to producing certain amounts of digestive enzymes. When you change your macronutrients really drastically um, over a short period of time, like falling into a pizza buffet – you um, can end up having this mismatch between the digestive enzymes that your body's producing and what you're consuming, and that can further cause an undesirable shift in gut bacteria. And when you have this shift, you're going to have strains that aren't getting fed the food that they want are going to die off. You're going to have other strains, um, and it's usually – you know, gram-negative, undesirable strains like E. coli that really feed off of these refined carbohydrates, they're going to grow super rapidly. And that shift is still going to cause likely GI symptoms. Um, And then that shift towards less desirable bacteria has the other, the other side of it is the effects on mental health, because um, a lot of these wonderful probiotic bacteria that thrive in a digestive tract of a person who's eating a lot of vegetables produce neuroactive compounds that are affecting mood. And so it's why it's so common, you know, to feel sluggish and tired, right? It slows down our metabolism. It, um, it causes GI symptoms and it can, um, uh, suppress mood as well to have this, this major shift. And that's, that's all separate from, adding more inflammatory compounds, maybe choosing foods that aren't nutrient dense and, and missing out on really important vital nutrients, right? That those are whole other things. Those things often the effects build up over time compared to some of like the, the more immediate effects are the dramatic shift in, uh, gut, uh, microbial community health and the, the challenge to our metabolisms of, of really doing dramatic shifts in the type of fuel that we're giving our bodies. Well, and I think, I think too, ultimately what, you know, we can talk about all these mechanisms and stuff, but if we are truly respecting ourselves and loving ourselves and loving our bodies, then we are not needing to be on again, off again of anything. We are prioritizing the foods that that nourish us and heal our bodies. And, you know, I've talked about how the last year was difficult for me emotionally and how we as a family were not living our healthiest and best lives. And I think that's that goes hand in hand, right? Like we we had emotional trauma and we historically come from a, a, a life of, uh, um, I don't want to say healing ourselves, but like feeding our emotions. And even with, 
you know, a paleo template, you can still find hyper palatable foods and you can still do these sorts of things. And I think the only thing that helped me from realizing that I was in a state of, of distress and that, you know, we needed to come together as a family and find positivity, find joy, find things that made us um, want to be our best selves was the idea of, of, of noticing that we were down that path and that we wanted to be better and that we wanted to do better. And, you know, we had, we had the whole, um, podcast where I talked about going on depression medication and then, you know, coming off of depression medication and how I did that by prioritizing positivity in my life. And I just, I want to encourage everybody that if you find yourself in this yo-yo cycle of negativity, whether it's around food or sleep or, you know, a cortisol imbalance from the stress that you have in your life or, you know, what whatever that yo-yo cycle is for you, it is the only way to overcome it is to really to love yourself and to want to put yourself first and and to do that for loved ones that are around you. I mean, I say that because Matt and I will enable each other, will enable each other to be better and to, you know, to be our best selves. And we'll also enable each other because we love each other. And, you know, we, it's, you know, for me, I'll be like, Oh, I, you know, I've had a tough day. I want ice cream. That'll be like, well, go get it. You know, like that's, that's not truly helping me ultimately. Right. And so it's identifying those areas in your life where, if you're feeling like you need to constantly yo-yo, like what is that trigger? What is it that, you know, you want to focus on in your life so that you don't have that negative spiral so that you can focus on like loving yourself, respecting yourself. I know I keep saying that, but I just think it's so important. I think that it's, it's such a talking point in people's lives that they, you know, this healthy you mindset, you know, this, you know, new year, new you mindset, all that kind of stuff makes people feel like it's what they should be doing. And you know how I feel about that word. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, you I know, know, well, exactly. And so I just like, well, what do you want to do? And do you want to only do it on January 1st? Or do you want to focus on feeling your best all the time. And if that's the case, what are the areas in your life where you find yourself going down a path that you don't want to, that you you want to make a decision to do something differently? What are your triggers and how can you identify them? And what are some alternative things that you can do instead? Because if you choose knowingly, and that's the choice that you're making to, let's say, have pizza. And you know that, you know, it's not the best food for you, but your family is having a get together and, and you want to feel a part of it. And that's the decision that you make. Then like, then that's the decision that you make. And we don't need to have a rebound and we don't need to have food guilt and you don't need to, you know, work extra hard at the gym the next day because, you did something bad. Like food isn't bad. And it, and it doesn't need to be the slippery slope. I did it once and there, what does it matter now? Like it's, it doesn't need to be this failure that, that then like means that everything else is pointless. Like it's okay to make the conscientious choice to choose something that you know is not 
best for you once in a while. Like that's that falls under quality of life. And that the trick is to make it a conscious choice and to keep it as an occasional. Then you keep in the stochastic, you know, processes range where you know you might not feel great, but you're 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 um, challenging your body with a little randomness, which might actually, you know, spur some interesting hermetic mechanisms that can be very beneficial compared to, uh, well, I ate pizza yesterday, so I might as well have that bagel and that other thing today and, and let it, let it be, um, let it control you. Yeah. And, and let it, and let it be the excuse to just stop having commitment and dedication to healthier choices. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, for me, I, I just think, you know, if you decide for New Year's that you're going to start fresh, like, absolutely, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We, you know, there can, for me, earlier this year, um, I, I had uh, my sister's wedding, and there was a period of time before my sister's wedding where I'm like, you know, I really want to focus on getting enough water and getting enough sleep so that when I'm in photos, I'm not bloated and I don't have circles under my eyes. And like, (laughs) you know, there's, there's a target for that, but there was also not shame and guilt. And like, you know, there were times where even though I was, I had told myself, you know, I'm going to be super clean where I had a glass of wine and I didn't wake up the next morning and say to myself, like, oh, you're a horrible person because you did this thing and you said you weren't going to. And, you know, like, I just feel like it's so important to find that balance within yourself of, you know, what your long-term goals are and how you can get on a path to achieve them. And we've used the word sustainable before. Um, What we want is for people to feel like you can do something long-term that you feel empowered and you feel encouraged and you feel supported by yourself and by your loved ones to be on this path. And if that is not the case for you, then I would take this opportunity to think if you are wanting a resolution to what you can do to change, to, to be that change, to affect the change uh, so that you can feel comfortable and empowered and, and on the path that you want to be on. It's not about putting yourself back on the path. To me, it's what are the outside factors that are affecting it so that I can stay on the path and, and feel encouraged and positive and, and yeah. Am I making sense? Am I just rambling? I feel like I'm just like, I'm talking a lot with my hands, <laughs> which usually means the words aren't coming out clearly. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying exactly, but I feel like we've had variations of this conversation enough times that I know you so well that I, I can fill in any blanks. I think what might be helpful for our listeners is specific examples from our lives. Um, and I can, I can start with, um, you know, basically sharing for me, sugar is a slippery slope. It, um, I get very, very quickly in that sort of sugar addicted, um, uh, sort of cycle where I want something sweeter and sweeter more and more often. And, um, I have to be very 
that doesn't mean that I never let myself have treats. So just because I recognize that sugar can sort of start me on this like vicious cycle path doesn't mean that I want to live my life without ever having dessert. Um, but what I have to do is I have to be very, very mindful about um, not just my dessert choices, but what's driving the choice. So, um, so I have to, you know, sort of first, I, I always try to pick something that's not crazy sweet. That doesn't mean that I always make a great choice. Sometimes I do have gluten-free Oreo cookies and it's fine. Um, but I, I try to generally, you know, have something that's fruit sweetened, that's dark chocolate, right? Something along those lines. Um, and usually if I can stick with something that's that level, it doesn't trigger, um, that sort of cycle of I, I had that sweet thing and now I want to taste that more. Um, when I do have something sweeter, I have to be very careful that I'm not, uh, that I'm, I'm not letting my lifestyle stuff get derailed. So I might be choosing it because I'm tired and I'm stressed and I really want that, (laughs) that gluten-free Oreo cookie right now. Um, but I have to recognize, okay, I'm going to let myself have this gluten-free Oreo cookie right now. But but the the thing behind this craving for this sugary junk is the tired and stressed. So what can I do about that? And, um, you know, does this mean I need to go to bed early tonight? Does this mean I need to uh, find some time for something really restorative to work on my stress level? Like what? And I I try to think about, and it doesn't mean I'm going to go, going to muscle through this craving because I realize it's just me being stressed. No, I I let myself have a couple of cookies, Um, but I recognize, or at least try to, and this doesn't mean I'm successful all the time, but I try to recognize the thing that's driving that craving is the fact that I'm I'm worn out and I I need to actually take some more self-care time right now. And, um, And I try to take that opportunity to refocus my energy. So, okay, I'll have this cookie now, but this means I'm, I'm going to bed early tonight and I'm going to, you know, make some time for myself tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going to try and deal with whatever the root cause is. And sometimes it's, um, it's just much more opportunistic, right? Oh, that cookie was there and I know it's not going to make me violently ill. So I'm going to eat it. Um, then that was just an occasional treat. And typically, if it's not driven by something like I'm tired and I'm, I'm uh, stressed, it won't, it won't necessarily start, it won't start a roller coaster that I can't control. I might crave sugar more the next day. And then I go, okay, well, I'm going to have this piece of fruit to satisfy this craving or this piece of dark chocolate to satisfy this craving. And I might have to muscle through a little bit of the biochemical sugar addiction, but it's not being driven by something like I'm, I'm tired and I'm, I'm stressed. So, you know, a huge part of this is, um, do we put this under the umbrella of listening to our bodies? I, I, I think there's a, a huge amount of, uh, well, awareness. I think the thing is, is there's, there's a lot of like hyperbole about moderation and self-control that makes people feel like when, it's difficult for them that they're failing at something. And I think the thing that you and I tried to emphasize so much is that 
like, as I said, food is not bad. When you, when you eat a food, you are not bad. And it is incredibly difficult, especially for those of us who've been on a journey or have been, you know, unhealthy before, like your, your body wants to go back to that. And it will give you those, those same cravings and feelings. And you might feel like, um, you know, it's been months and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden these things will come up and sugar is in particular, incredibly addictive. Like it is, you know, there are, there are, you know, endless resources out there if you want to read about it. Um, but it is incredibly addictive and your body gets a whiff of it. (laughs) And if you, you know, especially if you've had, um, uh, issues with sugar regulation in a, you know previously it becomes more than sometimes willpower is enough to handle and so i think you know when you say do we put it in the categorization of listening to your body like to me my body does not tell me like my you know what i mean like it is it is a fight as you describe to really put measures in place for myself to not be surrounded by things that will trigger. And when I find myself going down a path of more sugar than I want to consume, more often than I want to consume it, I need to purposefully remove it from my life so that it is not physically available to me. And I need to replace it with things that I do enjoy that can satiate that part of my brain that's essentially going through withdrawal from sugar addiction. And I think that's really important for people to understand that that doesn't make me a failure. That doesn't make me need to have guilt. It's just that is what I need to do to put myself on the path that I want to be on. And so, you know, for me, it's like apples and peanut butter is something um, that I really is a go-to for me or bacon is a go-to for me when I'm, you know, thinking I want something with sugar in it. But I think, um, to answer your specific question, I don't want people to feel like that they need to listen to their body because I think a lot of bodies will tell them to eat more sugar. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, um, uh, you know what I say to my kids sometimes I say, um, listen to what I mean, not what I say. And I think that's kind of what I mean in this scenario as well. So um, it's uh, sometimes it's like listening to what your body is saying, but actually trying to understand what it means. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, I think too, what I've had to learn to do is when my body says more sugar, I often say, okay, it's time to eat broccoli. You're right. Like, it's like, oh, okay. It's time for a salad. Like I'm, my body is just, it's, it's not telling me the right thing. I will often reach for something high vitamin C. So I've recognized that I will often crave sugar when I'm actually running low on vitamin C so that I might grab uh, like an orange or something like that. And it's, works in two ways, right? It's something that's super vitamin loaded, but it also is sweet. Um, but that's something that I've, I've realized in my body. It's, it's when I'm craving sugar, there's, there's some kind of vitamin C link. And, uh, if I can grab a piece of fruit, um, that usually will satisfy both, like my, my body says, mm, let's eat sugar, but also, what it means is I'm missing out on this, this important nutrient. Um, and then I'm getting something with fiber and all that other good stuff. 
but um, I think we've recognized different. I think we have different. Um, kind of say substitute foods is that, is that yeah, a, yeah 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 well and, and, and that's the thing is you know all of this is is individualistic so i'm not going to say that i don't have the exact same problem as you because i do <laughs> but for diverse <laughs> for diversity's sake i think one of the other things that's really um an example for me um is is stress and negativity and that's such a generalized statement i realize that so i'm going to give some specific examples so for me i find that um i have a habit of um naturally finding the things to fix and that will a lot of times lead to complaining or pointing out the negative things because it is my nature to want to fix the things. And I have to intentionally focus my phrasing and my thought patterns on things that I can do to positively influence a situation that I want to be differently. And do you see the way that like, it's a complete night and day for me to say, I want to positively influence the situation so that it can be better versus here's what's wrong and broken about this thing. And I have found that when it comes to my health, that this mentality is huge. And we've talked about it here on the podcast before, but I want to specifically say that when it comes to my health and well-being, when it comes to, you know, the sleep that I'm getting, the quality of sleep, the type of foods that I'm consuming, I have found that that mentality of switching and and focusing things with intention on thinking about them from a positive perspective or finding the good in situations or thinking how I can positively influence something and instead of my go-to of stress and negativity and complaint, um, which I still have all those thoughts, but I just have to spin them into, okay, what does this mean and how can I fix it? Um, makes a huge difference in, like I said, the the foods that I crave or how I sleep or those kinds of things. And it honestly was not until I started addressing stress directly, um, that I really started to see results even with AIP. And to this day, I have learned and, you know, with my depression and, and pulling myself out of a deep depression was pretty much dependent on this change and the way that I focus it. And so what I would say, some some little things that you can do is obviously start to become more self-aware. Ask the people in your life to start pointing out to you when you do X, Y, or Z, if you have a habit of doing things. Just say like, hey, don't don't make me feel guilty about it, but can you just point out to me, you know, if I start complaining about my boss or what, you know, like whatever it is. And another thing that you can practically do is remove yourself or remove those things in your life that are a negative influence. So if there are people in your social media or there are, um, people in your life whom are like Debbie Downer, black umbrella follows them everywhere. And you find that when you're with them, you also 
become in that mindset or specifically, you know, for me, it was, it was a lot of social media. There was just, there were so many people that I was following that I realized later were, even if they weren't directly negative themselves that, that made, well, they can't make me feel any way, but how, how I felt following them was not one that gave me joy or peace or, you know, made me want to be better, um, to remove those influences from your life as much as you can, or to the extent that you're comfortable. And those are things that you can practically do. Those are resolutions that I think will have a long-term effect on your health and well-being, and put you on the path that you want to be on. So I would just say specifically, well, you know, while we're giving examples here, I think the more important thing from my perspective, is to really think about a resolution as a way to help yourself. And Sarah, I think you've actually described this in previous podcasts, to have a a centered focus on something that you want to do long term. So instead of thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, for my resolution, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days or 90 days or whatever, what is it that you can do for with that same passion and that same gusto um, that will help you long-term, that will set you up for where you want to be a year from now or five years from now. Because if it's not a long-term focus, then it's just not something that's adding tremendous value to your life. And we want you to be your best self and we want to help you. So that's what I would recommend. Um, do you ever meditate, like do a guided meditation for positivity? No, <laughs> uh, I know they exist and people love them. Um, it does not work for me. It's, yeah, it, it, it's one thing that I, I kind of want to at least tangentially bring into this conversation because guided meditations have been extremely helpful for me. Um, and I, I mean, I often just do like straight relaxation ones. I, I really like um, body scan meditations. That's something I've done for a long time. I, you know, I've done yoga on and off for 24 years and body scan meditations are a really common practice at the end of yoga classes. So I think that's why they, um, they just, I can get into a very relaxed and calm state very, very quickly with a body scan meditation. Um, but I just kind of wanted to um, to raise this as a tool because I'm the type of person who, um, you know, being determined to, uh, you know, think positively about things is that doesn't necessarily work for me. I, I get very, um, uh, sort of repetitive negative thoughts. I, I will get down that road and it's hard for me to just say, no, I'm going to think about this positively and actually, really change that thought process. But if I start incorporating meditation practice to deal with that issue, then it's much more effective. And it'll take, you know, it takes a little bit of time, might take a few days or a couple of weeks of, you know, working on letting go of whatever that stressful thing is, um, working on, you know, positivity or, or whatever it is. But, um, but I find meditation is a way of, bypassing that sort of neurocircuitry where that gets really repetitive. So I definitely just sort of want to p- 
put it out there as a tool that obviously doesn't work for everybody, but can be extremely helpful for a lot of people. And the science is pretty powerful about the utility of meditation for stress management. Like it, it's really quite compelling statistics showing that even just 10 or 15 minutes a day of uh, mindful meditation, which can be a guided meditation or it can be a breathing technique, can be very, very powerful for stress management. But even as a tool for um, finding positivity and um, I, I think in many ways uh, ownership over our lives, I think is is also a sort of a thematic aspect of this topic. Um, I think meditation can be a very, very useful tool for a lot of people. And there's some great apps. Um, you know, most people have heard of Headspace. Calm is also very similar. Um, I use Insight Timer and it's free. So it's um, awesome because <laughs> it's free. Um, and I know that um, Anne Angeloni has some great um, meditations that uh, she's put together uh, specifically for people with autoimmune disease. So that's another great option. We can put links in the show notes. Um, but, uh, but I, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there as a, as a tool. If the, uh, desire to be more proactive is sort of, uh, and, and more positive is not necessarily enough. I think, um, I think meditation can be a really great tool for getting there. Yeah, I have um, heard really great things about those as well as dry brushing um, as a way to kind of center and, and calm and, and stimulate as well as, um, I think they call it tea tapping, the um, mm. technique. So I've, I've heard different kinds of things. For me, um, well, anyway, it doesn't really matter what works for me. I think there's a lot of different um, tools out there for a variety of purposes. Um, communication is, is what I would say, um, essential, no matter like what you're approaching this year, I think stating your intentions so that they're out there in the world and also asking those people in your life who, um, are there to help you and support you to, to be there, to encourage you and to, to do that are really helpful. And if you feel like, you know, you can't ask X, Y, or Z person because of, you know, whatever that reason is, then, you know, please think about someone else in your life who can encourage and support you because, mm-hmm. um, there's, we can't depend on people who we can't depend on. And it's certainly not going to help you be your, your best self and on the right path if you feel like you can't trust. So the, the, example I would give is we've heard from a lot of people that like their spouse does not support them, you know, going on, let's say a true AIP diet because they don't want the limitations of that diet and lifestyle in their own life. And so I think the thing is, is obviously communication from that perspective, like how, how can there be a common ground and, and how can that be something that you both can move forward on because it's important to you. It's important to your health and you'd like to, you know, be around long-term for your family and your loved one. And it's more than just a matter of, you know, having bread or, you know, nightshades in the house, because if it's in the house, you have a difficult time not consuming it. I think once those 
feelings and, and conversations are had, it really allows people to, to realize, you know, where the opportunities are to come to a common ground and to hear honestly what the other person is saying and where they're coming from. So I would just really encourage everybody to, to find a support system and to think long term. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Well, um, I do want to reiterate our sentiments from the top of the show, which is to wish everyone a happy and healthy new year. Um, I Even though we're going to be, you know, 5,000 years old in 2018. Even though in 2018, we will be so old that clearly dinosaurs roamed the earth when we were young. <laughs> we needed stone tablets and, and feather pens. we had to hike uphill to school through 10 feet of snow with uh, newspapers in our boots <laughs> and only hot potatoes to keep us warm. You sound like you might have actually lived that. You're so familiar. Uh, the newspapers and the boots, maybe so. <laughs> maybe... There's, there's a few things, but, um, there definitely were no dinosaurs and, um, I only remember 10 feet of snow one time. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I do, I do want to, um, just wish everyone uh, a happy and healthy new year. Um, and hope that this episode, um, at least gave you food for thought as you consider New Year's resolutions and, and your goals for, um, this, you know, time of self-reflection and, and goal setting, you know, that's, that's, you know, we don't want to necessarily say don't make news resolutions. We just want to give some, some things to think about as, as you're setting them and, um, and hope that everyone is having a, a wonderful holiday season and is staying safe and enjoying time with friends and family. Absolutely. I encourage you to be the change this year. That's my motto. I'm not, again, not saying not to have a resolution, but that is the path that I want to be on long term. So it is my, it is my go forward motto. And I would encourage you to be that change for yourself or for your loved ones as well. Um, And whatever it is that you choose to do and move forward with this year, I wish you. And just bleep, love yourself. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Just bleeping, love yourself. (laughs) Um, And thank you for tuning in. When we talk to you next, it will be next year. Um, And so we will have survived yet another year of the podcast. And thank you so much for being here with us. Um, We recently had Matt share some statistics with us and we're approaching something like 5 million downloads. Um, So that's a lot of you. (laughs) Our six listeners. They keep just downloading over and over. That's amazing. Yeah. So thank you again to everyone for being with us for the long haul. And uh, we look forward to being back again next year. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. 
I'm so irritated with Skype that they don't have, like, a frequent caller list. They're always showing me a bajillion people in my recent list, and I don't know where they come from, because I have not recently talked to any of these people. I only ever call you, and you're never in this list. <laughs> Why? Why is this, a, like, this to me is a broken technology. So, um, yes, I believe Skype had you about, like, number seven down on my recent list, and I don't think I have talked to a single person since I last talked to you. So I don't know. So why? Right? Like Skype, this is our official why. That's that's all I have to say about that. I also would like Skype to remember that I was wearing my headset on the last call and that I probably <laughs> still have my headset on on this call and just And you're probably going to wear your headset I'm on the next call. <laughs> certainly going to wear my headset on the next call so it could just remember like headset. Good. And then I'll let it know if I'm going to use a different situation, you know, could use the external podcast microphone if I wanted. But I I would like Skype to just remember this is this is how we're set up. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right. Just open up a support ticket and (laughs) wait, wait. Open open a support ticket and link them to this podcast blooper. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was the end. What do you mean awkward pause? No, it's fine. We'll just leave it there. I was going to say like, uh, thanks for listening, but then you'd already done that. It's, it just throws you off when you say it first. It's true. It's true. I do you talk first and I end. You 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 open the show and I yeah. end the show. That's our that's our thing. That's the thing. We just mix it all up. But you know what? Stochastic processes. I got to get used to randomness. Are you not impressed that I used a word like stochastic out of nowhere? I mean, you, I mean, I've just come to expect that kind of <laughs> genius. So um, did I tell you that I ordered radioactive uranium from Amazon? Well, it's all natural. It's totally natural. <laughs> so you can buy uranium from Amazon. And I highly recommend that you take some time and just read the questions and reviews for the uranium on Amazon because they are deeply entertaining. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.